Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, the NFC Divisional Playoff game Saturday night at Lambeau Field will pit the Packers against the San Francisco 49ers. This will be the ninth postseason meeting between these two franchises it is a rematch of week three of the regular season it's a rematch of the 2019 nfc championship game just a couple of seasons ago your thoughts on the fact that the uh the 49ers are the opponent we've been waiting for well i give the 49ers credit because they gave me the most watchable game over the weekend uh, absolutely against the Dallas cowboys absolutely um, hey it's great uh, I, I loved it from the standpoint of this is, you look for those type of, you couldn't have gone wrong. It would have been cool to see them get matched up with maybe some teams they haven't seen in the playoffs recently, but it's been the 49ers a lot more often than not over the last 10 years. So the fact that you get another one of these battles, obviously the Lafleur shanahan connection, the connections between these coaching staff, these players, it's going to be an exciting matchup on Saturday night at Lambeau Field. I'll tell you, the, the difficult thing of watching that game unfold, though, is, and this is just Wes Hodkowitz. This is Wes Hodkowitz, the human being. I'll be honest with you. I felt for Mike McCarthy. I felt for the Cowboys. I, I felt, I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, I'm crying for the Cowboys. That's, that's an interesting <laughs> concept. But I, I just, I really respected the team they put on the field this year. They have a lot of really young, exciting talent. Uh, if they would have been able to get that matchup with, uh, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought that I, that would have been an amazing rematch to get. But this is how the chips fell, and the Green Bay Packers get to welcome the San Francisco 49ers to Lambeau Field for a chance to go to the NFC title game. Well, that Niners-Cowboys game on Sunday afternoon was just another example. It was obviously the best game of the six wildcard games on what was not such a super wildcard weekend as it turned out. But that being the best game, it was an example of you just you never know what might happen in these playoff contests. And you never know how much the little details are going to matter, yeah. right? When it comes down to, to Dak Prescott and, you know, the official needs to spot the ball before you can do the spike and all that. The Cowboys thought they had enough time to put themselves in a position to take a shot at the end zone. It didn't work out. The clock ran out on them. I do think I do think the officials did everything right really in that situation given how frantic it was and that and that the Cowboys really didn't execute it properly that's the bot that's the bottom line I would feel maybe a little a tinge more sympathy for the Cowboys and I feel no sympathy at all for that organization in any way shape or form no matter what but if that had been a trying to get a field goal situation yeah. or, you know, whereas they still were going to have to throw a 25 to 30 yard touchdown pass on, on the final play of the game, not impossible, certainly greater odds than a hail Mary, which is why they ran the play that they did, why they decided to, uh, to take that chance running Prescott up the middle. But, um, the details matter is my point. And whether you're talking about the Cowboys with all the penalties that they had in that game, which certainly benefited the 49ers, the 49ers showing how much you can control a game in the postseason, and then suddenly one interception, a turnover, completely changes the momentum of the game and flips it. And the Cowboys down 23-7 to 
The Niners have the ball. It's looking totally bleak for Dallas. And then suddenly they're rallying and they give themselves a shot at the end of the ball game. You just never know how these games are going to go. That game, more than anything, showed me how important it is to get off to a fast start. Uh, San Francisco did that. They got down the field. They scored points. Debo Samuel is in, uh, just uh, a lightning bug. I mean, just what he can offer to an offense as a pass catcher in the backfield. It's like a, a super, you know, like size version of like what Randall Cobb was doing in 2011, 2012. I mean, just how he impacts that San Francisco offense. Uh, you, you saw how far he's come and exactly why he is an all pro. But for San Francisco to get the points, get the stops early, when a game is as tight as that is, Mike, and it goes down to the wire, that's where penalties start to show themselves. That's where miss fundamentals start to show themselves. That's where, you know, Randy Gregory getting a holding penalty uh, against a tackle for dragging a, a, an offensive lineman to the ground just out of nowhere comes into play. And a few plays before that, Neville Gallimore does the, the yep. hands to the face on the center. I believe it was Alex Mack, the center for the 49ers, gives the 49ers an automatic first down when maybe they would have had to punt the ball with more time on the clock. All those things added up to the situation the Cowboys were in at, in the final moments. And my takeaway from that game once it was over, independent of just the fact that the San Francisco 49ers prevailed, was that this is one of the things that has made Matt LaFleur's team so successful in Green Bay. Yes, he's a brilliant offensive mind. Yes, you have a, a you know three-time, potentially now four-time MVP quarterback. You have playmakers on both sides of the ball. But Green Bay plays discipline. They don't make stupid mistakes. You're going to have penalties, and you're going to have things you don't agree with, but are they going to be egregious type stuff that is just so visibly obvious to the officials they couldn't help but throw the flag? Right, right. That's where the Cowboys really got themselves into trouble in this game. And if you're winning by two touchdowns, does it matter? If you're, if you have a, you know, you're commanding and your offense is clicking, you can overcome it. They didn't do enough of those things in this game, and Kyle Shanahan and the way they have those guys coached up in San Francisco were able to take advantage of it, despite the fact you had Nick Bosa going out with the concussion, Fred Warner being banged up. They still made it work, and this is a team that is very accustomed to having to overcome that type of adversity. Well, it's interesting because if there's one thing that the 49ers have told me watching, watching a good portion of, of their games the last two weeks is that – the Packers have to be ready for a full 60-minute battle, and I know that that's a cliche and whatnot for the playoffs, but yeah. my point is two weeks ago against the Rams, the 49ers were down 17 to nothing with their playoff hopes, with their season on the line, and they rallied back from that and got that game to overtime and ended up pulling it out. Then in the wild card game, they start out like gangbusters and jump on top of the Cowboys 13 to nothing. Nothing's going right for Dallas. And yet the 49ers still ended up having to, you know, grind out some first downs and, and nearly got the, the first down that they needed to not give Dallas the, the, one, the one final chance. But this, uh, th this 49ers team, nothing's going to make them blink. And no. that's, that's one of the things that, that I think has been a trademark of, of Matt LaFleur's teams in his three years here in Green Bay. They've had a lot of down-to-the-wire games. So a lot of them have gone their way. Some of them haven't. But 
these Packers have been, and especially this year, have been tested late in ball games with down-to-the-wire finishes. This 49ers team is exactly the same way. These two teams are not going to flinch in the fourth quarter on Saturday night. It's going to be a 60-minute drag-out battle all the way to the end. There's a reason these two got to the final four here in the NFC. Yeah. And, and the 49ers are like the light version of the Packers. The Packers got the number one seed in the bye because since week two, can't include week one, but <laughs> since week two, they found a way to win close matchups and they did it all season long with yep. the exception of one game. San Francisco got off to a, a terrible start for what their expectations were for this season. Not trending in the right way. The questions about Garoppolo, they're losing three, four straight games in a row. They never found a way to solve Seattle for some reason this season. It didn't work out for them. But down the stretch, look at what they've done, Mike. They beat Cincinnati. They beat the L.A. Rams. They lost a competitive game to the top seed in the AFC in Tennessee. Right. And the other thing, too, that Green Bay has to keep an eye open, this never-ending carousel of running backs. What was the number one thing that the San Francisco 49ers were missing in week three? They They didn't have a back. You know, Trey Sermon was handling that role, but realistically, they weren't able to run the ball. Garoppolo had to throw it more. They had more turnovers. They weren't able to be able to protect the football. The Packers won that game late. Being able to get Elijah Mitchell going here in the second half of the season, the way he's played since mid-November, it's a stark difference with how this team performs with Kyle Shanahan's offense when they have a running back they can go to. Mitchell's been that guy. You look at that wild card matchup, Dallas could not run the ball. San Francisco was really committed to it with throwing in the wrinkles with Samuel. And that was the difference. Yeah, it seems a difference from week three as well as far as uh, looking back at that first matchup between the Packers and 49ers this year. The 49ers have gotten, in my opinion, they've gotten more and more creative and versatile with the ways that they use Debo Samuel. The Debo Samuel that the Packers are going to see at Lambeau Field on Saturday night is a different type of weapon than the one that they saw back in week three. And you combine that with the emergence of the young running back in Elijah Mitchell, where, as you said, the 49ers did not have as reliable a ground game back in week three. This is a, this is a really different offense that, uh, that the Packers are going to, that the Packers are going to have to face. And, and uh, it may not be as easy to get the turnovers that, uh, that the Packers did back in week three that put them in command in the early stages of that game. Well, and the other thing that separated them from week three is Brandon Ayuk is, is playing at a really high level. Ayuk got off to a really slow start this season. It was starting to really look like, okay, was last year sort of a, a mirage there? Like, is this guy still going to be able to perform at this level? And then he was able to corral himself. And when you see what they can do down the field with him and George Kittle and then being able to have all these wrinkles with Samuel, it creates a lot of different looks. And if you ultimately look at it, what is the hallmark of this version of the West Coast offense that Kyle Shanahan runs? It's a lot of running, and it's a lot of deception, and it's a lot of play action built off of the run. They want to get the defense's eyes moving. They want to get their feet and standing still. They want to be able to maximize those chances and be able to hurt you for big plays. That's where I think the biggest difference is. Now, that being said, we'll, we'll talk about some of the defensive stuff and these other aspects of it, but a lot of Packer fans are working themselves into a tizzy over this. And the way that you and I are talking right now <laughs> probably isn't helping things. But the one thing I've been kind of trying to just bang into people's heads this week is there was a reason the Packers were the number one seed. A lot of the things San Francisco does well, the Packers do them well too. A lot of the things that they can do in terms of their offense when it's working well, Green Bay actually probably does better in terms of the explosivity standpoint. This is going to be a good game, but there's a reason why the Packers are favored in it. So 
that they have to play to their capabilities. They have to play smart. They have to play disciplined. They have to protect the football. But this is a winnable game if you meet the challenges that San Francisco is going to present specifically on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast when you get a first-round buy, right? And, yeah. and this is what I, I talked about it, I think, on the show last week, if not on the show, certainly in Inbox, that when you're the team, it used to be multiple teams getting the buy in the conference. Now it's just the one. When you're the team, when you're the team that's getting the buy, you're going to be facing a team that is coming off of its biggest victory of the season yes. because there are no bigger victories out there than playoff victories. And in the 49ers case, they happen to be coming off of back-to-back big victories because they had to win in their regular season finale just to get that wild card spot. Now they won their wild card game, but it's the nature of the beast. You know, the, the, the Packers got the bye. You're going to be facing a team that, uh, that, that got a big win or two to get to this point. But the 49ers are coming to Lambeau Field. It sounds like it's going to be cold, not not super frigid, not yeah. you know crazy cold. But it sounds like it's going to be cold. I think that raises some, I think that raises some interesting questions with regard to Jimmy Garoppolo's hand, with regard to Garoppolo's sprained shoulder, which yes. now uh, which now we found out about Kyle Shanahan saying that that Garoppolo is dealing with a little bit of a a shoulder issue, his uh, his throwing shoulder. And then, of course, the other the other news from their side is what will be the health of uh, Nick Bosa coming off of the concussion from the game against yep. Dallas and Fred Warner, um, the uh, the star inside linebacker who injured his ankle. I, I will say when when Warner went down in the field, that looked a lot worse than an ankle injury. So um, good for him that that yeah. uh, that it wasn't a you know one of these major major serious injuries. We'll see what the news is right now. As we're taping this, the news is pretty positive for the 49ers with regard to those injuries. It sounds like they are expecting to have both Bosa and Warner available on Saturday night, but we'll just have to we'll we'll we'll, we'll have to see how close to 100 percent they are. The Bosa one did make me kind of raise an eyebrow though, because it's like I thought this was like an independent neurologist. So I mean, maybe he's already been cleared, but otherwise, I thought that was really interesting that they were already like kind of like yeah, he should be should be okay, but. Be that as it may, yeah. uh, Jordan Willis is still working through the high ankle sprain, so he could potentially be out. Um, again, we'll get to that later in the week. But the the thing I have my eye on is Garoppolo. Uh, he talked and was pretty honest in terms of the media and, and how, what he's dealing with and, and how it's changing his mechanics and his throwing motion and obviously the challenges that get presented in colder weather with that ligament issue. Uh, that is going to there, – there was several times, Mike, in that game against Dallas where – you know, they could have put maybe the figurative dagger uh, to, to steal a, a Wayne Larrabee term <laughs> into the Cowboys, and he just wasn't able to make that throw. It, was, it wasn't where it needed to be, or that one that ended up being overthrown over to Ayuk, I believe it was, on the third down. That was a third and long. He had opportunities, and they just couldn't be able to connect. Seeing what the limitations are with that are going to be really interesting to watch, but ultimately, you and I both know this, Mike, they're going to try to run the football. Yeah. We saw it in the 19 championship game. They've seen it every time the Packers have played Kyle Shanahan over the last five years. They are going to want to impose their will in the trenches, and that's where the Packers have to step up to the challenge. Kenny Clark rested. Dean Lowry rested. You hope that Devondre Campbell's doing okay with that elbow injury after getting a chance to rest a little bit. If they get moving fast, sideline to sideline, it can be stout in their gaps. This is a totable, totally winnable game for Green Bay to be able to control that. Yeah, I do think the 49ers uh, um, are going to be absolutely 100% committed to the running game for 60 minutes. I mean, barring, and I would say even, even if the Packers 
get out to a start, say, like the Rams did against the Niners a couple of weeks ago, and it's say it's 17 to nothing in the second quarter or something like that, the 49ers are not just going to trash their running game and turn the game over to Garoppolo and throw, throw, throw in the cold at Lambeau Field. The Packers, regardless of how this game starts, good or bad, the Packers are going to have to be prepared to defend the run Mitchell and Samuel and whatever other tricks and play actions and motions and everything that that Kyle Shanahan's going to draw up for this one, they're going to have to be prepared to defend that for 60 minutes. And I think going back to the other point about Garoppolo, hearing the news now about the sprained shoulder, and and as you said, he wasn't really able to to put that dagger in the Cowboys there in the second half. It makes me think that the sprained shoulder is almost more of an issue for him than the hand. Yeah. Because two weeks ago against the Rams, that 88-yard drive that they needed to tie the game and get it to overtime, he made three laser-like throws where you wouldn't think anything was wrong with him at all, that there was no issue with the hand whatsoever. Now we're hearing about this this sprained shoulder thing coming out of the Dallas game. It sounds to me like that might be more of an issue than, uh, um, than the hand thing that's been talked about for the last several weeks. What did you think of what I wrote about them seeing Amon Ross St. Brown against Detroit and how that could be kind of a maybe an entree here to seeing Samuel. They're different types of players, but with, you know, Samuel carried the ball, what was it, 11, 12 times last week? Yeah. I mean, he had the ball a lot in the backfield. I, it, was a, it was a tough outing there in that regard for what they did versus the trick plays or whatever you want to call them that Detroit ran. But I'll tell you what, Mike, the Packers haven't seen a whole lot of that this year other than really seeing Samuel in week three. I, I felt personally like that actually was a pretty good tune-up, at least getting them an idea of what the, the risks are there in terms of the stakes if you don't properly defend against them. I, I think I think it can I think it can be certainly from uh, I guess what I would say from the the eye discipline standpoint yeah. with the defense to not you can't get too distracted because for all of the the motions and tricks that you know that that the Lions employed in that in that week 18 game, the, Niner, the Niners do the motions and, and the fakes and all this to get you distracted. They do it play after play after play, right? Yeah. So from an eye discipline standpoint, where I don't think a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown prepares you for someone like Samuel is because Samuel is so hard to tackle. He, he I mean, his, his yards after the catch yeah. was like first in the league, right, in terms of per, per reception um, in the NFL this year. And you you have you have to be sound with your tackling on him because he will break tackles he will slip away he will get the extra yards to uh, to move the chains and turn turn good plays into explosive plays and and that's uh that's something the packers are are certainly going to have to deal with on saturday night um a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs. We believe in better. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a sponsorship business. Oh, okay. it's not really sponsorship. It's mostly just being a good teammate. Okay. I got uh, this Packers everywhere. I uh, was gonna comment about the new sweatshirt, yeah. but then I was I wasn't sure if you wanted me to make a big deal of it. No, you can you can if you want. Okay. All, all I'm saying I like is I have sharp. Some, I have some great friends in our uh, our fan engagement department. They're actually giving these away. If you go on the Packers Everywhere, at Packers Everywhere social accounts on, I believe, Instagram and Twitter, you like it, you retweet it, I think you're entered to win these. And that goes through, if you're watching this on Friday, I'm sorry, you already lost. But I think it goes through like 10 a.m. Central Time on, uh, on Wednesday. Okay. So if you want right. to look cool like me, hey, you might want to enter too. 
Maybe I should. Yeah. That looks pretty that that looks pretty good. I'm very comfy right now. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we have another show this week in which we can get a little dig a little bit more into the keys to victory and whatnot. We'll have a couple of days of media access hearing from coaches and players and whatnot, get a sense of uh of the landscape here in Green Bay heading into this game. Wanted to get your other thoughts before we go today about the rest of wildcard weekend, very little of which was was dramatic at all. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati Cincinnati and Las Vegas came down to a, really a, good a, a goal to go, a yeah. goal to go situation there with uh, with the Raiders in Cincinnati. The Bengals, hats off to the Bengals. That franchise gets its first postseason victory in 31 years. I think 31 is that the yeah. number? 31 years. Um, and uh, certainly sets up uh, some interesting matchups in the yeah. AFC with uh, with the Bengals traveling to the top seeded uh, Titans. Yep. And then uh, in you the other it. divisional round, you have a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, with the Buffalo Bills going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. And and uh, as I mentioned in Insider Inbox earlier this week. Josh Allen's done some really cool things, some really great things in the playoffs and, and you know, kind of resurrected a Buffalo franchise that was down in the dumps for a while. The next step for Josh Allen is to win a postseason game on the road, and this is, a, this, this is his next opportunity. And Kansas City still isn't perfect. Like, that's the thing. Like, as, as much as they dominated the Steelers – they still made quite a few mistakes in that game. Well, if they're playing, I mean, quite frankly, if they're playing any offense except Pittsburgh's, the way that first quarter and a half yeah. went in Kansas City on Sunday night, the Chiefs are in trouble. Yeah. You, you can't start a playoff game no. like that. I mean, they were, you know, they, they, they got in gear and Pittsburgh's offense never really did until it was too late. But, uh, but boy, you play a quarter and a half like that, um, you're asking to get knocked out of the postseason. Yeah, and, and, and remarkable the way that that ended up playing out. And they got their stuff together. Certainly they're very explosive. And, and hey, Jarek McKinnon, man, it almost it, he's not on the same level as a Garrison Hurst, but, man, you feel good for that kid. I mean, two years he basically missed completely with injuries, and he ends up kind of being this fill-in guy with uh, Edwards Hilaire being hurt. Yeah. And just it, he looks explosive. He looks t- – I mean, I was – I've always been a Jarek McKinnon fan, even going back to his days with the with the Vikings. So I was happy to see that. But certainly, you know, you look at the way Kansas City plays, and Mahomes is as talented as there are in the NFL right now. But he takes chances, man. A couple times <laughs> running, throwing across his body, across the hashes downfield, he will take chances. Fearless uh, player for so sure. I, I just I want to see what Micah Hyde and Poirier, what what those guys do against yeah. that that look. That being said. Uh, I, I have to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals really fast because I had visions of like the Vontez perfect issues at the end of that Pittsburgh game where they came so close to winning a game with, with Marvin Lewis. What was that? Like probably five or six years ago. I yeah, believe it was. Yeah. And I was like, man, is, are the Raiders going to find a way to pull this thing away from them? And, and just the excitement level to do it in that place and the fans, you could not help, but feel great for them. And they're a real problem. I mean, Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon running the ball the way he was, and, and certainly you look at Jamar Chase yeah. and just how talented he is, and I've always been big on T. Higgins. They have a lot of ability, and I think they're going to be a tough out for one of these teams. So That pass rush of Cincinnati's is no joke either. That, 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 front, that front four, it's not, it's not a bunch of household names, no. and we talked about that when the Packers went to Cincinnati. It's not a lot of big names, household name type of guys. But they get after the quarterback, and uh, and they make things difficult because that uh, that front four doesn't have to 
ask people to blitz no. all the time. And Sam Hubbard, like there were several times where I'm like, oh, Trey Hendrickson is having a good game. I'm like, oh, no, that's Sam Hubbard. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. they played really good football. The rest of the games, Mike, there was – I mean, Tampa Bay played out exactly like I thought it would. I thought the yeah, ending we, of we knew City. We knew the Eagles, the Eagles got a really bad matchup going up against that Tampa Bay defense, and the game played out that way right from the start. I think with regard to the, uh, you know, the Cardinals and the Rams, we were all hoping for a better, more competitive game on Monday night. It just goes to show you, I mean, this was a Cardinals team, as we all know, was 7-0, and uh, undefeated late October facing the Packers on a, on a Thursday night, and, and the Packers handed them their first loss of the season. It's why the way teams look in October is not how you end up looking in January yeah. in this league. You're always changing. Teams are always changing, always evolving, and uh, and the Cardinals this year just kind of evolved in, in the wrong direction, and they ended up being an easy out, quite frankly, for the Los Angeles Rams. Hats off to Matthew Stafford. Yeah. He gets his first playoff victory after uh, after a trio of disappointments in Detroit. But quite frankly, Stafford didn't have to do a whole lot no. to win this game because Kyler Murray just didn't challenge Los Angeles' defense. No, and, and here's the thing. Like when the night ended, and, and certainly the Rams game was over at halftime, it seemed like, I actually would look back at the schedule, and I was talking to our producer, Matt Arvin, about this this morning. I said, you know what? The eight teams that are left, the four in each this is the way it should have worked out. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like anybody got eliminated where it was like, oh, that's the Super Bowl favorite, right? And maybe that has something to do with the parity this year. But overall, in a year in which there has been so many teams that have been ebbing and flowing, it really does look to me, at least in the second half of the season, we got the most consistent teams down the stretch to this divisional round of the playoffs. So I'm fascinated to watch how it plays out. Yeah. The Rams, I think, are the best matchup. I, I, I don't know. Not to say that Arizona couldn't have had success against Tom Brady and Bruce Arians, and certainly there would have been that storyline with that connection, but I feel like the Rams and the Bucks that's a game that should happen, and one of those teams, deservingly so, will go on to the NFC title game. We're, we're eight games away. I mean, there's eight teams left, you know, and there's, there's three games away from the biggest prize, so... It's going to be fascinating to see how these games play out. Yep. Rams Rams and Buccaneers met earlier in yep. the season. Packers and 49ers met earlier in the season. Doesn't matter now because the season is on the line this weekend for everyone involved. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team here. Divisional Playoff Week. We'll have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.